Welcome back to the next episode of the OWA Talks podcast. Um, I am your co-host, Stephanie, here with Sandra, our other co-host. And we are bringing another awesome episode uh, for the month of May, right? This is May. Um, and first want to say I hope everyone's doing well out there. It's happy and healthy and doing okay. Whereas it feels like that we're kind of getting back into the swing of things a little bit. So hopefully... Um, everyone's doing really well there. So today we have a new podcast guest um, for our episode today. And today we have the amazing Carrie Wilson. Um, she is the president of OptiGal Consulting, and she has over 21 years of experience in the optical industry. She also is a member of the Vision Council and its Lens te Technical Committee um, and the ANSI Committee, and is a former board member of the Contact Lens Society of America. Um, she's also written textbooks on st and study guides on how to pass the ABO um, National Optician Certification Exam. So welcome to the podcast, Carrie. How are you doing today? Fine. How are you? Uh, thank you so much for allowing me to be on your podcast. It's an honor. I, it's, I think the honor is all ours. I mean, you're, you have a very impressive background, so I am really excited to talk to you today. Um, so thank you for coming. Um, for our listeners who don't really know much about you, um, what can you share with us a little bit about uh, your career journey and how you got to where you're at? Uh, well, I started in optical in the late 1990s, and like many of us, it was an accident. Uh, I didn't want to work in a place in Georgia without air conditioning anymore, uh, so I looked at the ads in the newspaper. As you could tell by looking at ads in the newspaper, it's been a long time. Uh, I saw one for an optician. Knew nothing about the job, but knew that I wore glasses, so I applied. And then once I started, I realized almost immediately that it was the career for me. I enjoyed the interaction with the people, the science behind what we do, and the fashion aspect. We are the only field that I can think of that is a merger of so many different facets of art and science. Um, since I'm the type of person who has the continuous drive to learn more and more and to teach others, I wanted to work in all aspects of the industry. So I worked in small private practices, medical clinics, large corporate organizations, and uh, large-scale optical manufacturing. By learning different segments of the field and achieving my ABOM and NCLE Advanced, I was, um, it enabled me to fulfill my passion of taking my knowledge and passing it on to others so they can learn and grow and hopefully better the industry. And this has led me to where I am today. Carrie, thank you so much for, for sharing your background. I mean, you've had a great um, career path and continue to focus on learning. And the talk of, of this podcast is really around changes in the optometric field and how we as professionals adapt to that new normal. Um, and we know that COVID-19 that we're all living through is, is really impacting the world. What suggestions do you have for professionals within the optical industry to help them with adapting to this new reality? The stress that we are all feeling is higher than ever. Some of us have been working the whole time during this crisis. Um, some of us are just now rejoining the workplace. And then some of us are still at home. And although, although all of us are apprehensive about what is to come, um, we are all beginning to adapt to the new norm. The good news is that this change is not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, we just may need to change our mindset. Uh, if you think back to pre-COVID, 
uh, think about all the times that we have said that we wish we had more time to spend with the patient or to not feel so overwhelmed or that we wish we had better work-life balance. Um, now is the time to implement the changes that will make these desires possible if we go in with a developed plan of action. Planning brings a sense of control and peace with the situation. There are things that we can plan for as a practice and as individuals, and some of those are what protective measures are you going to take to stay healthy? How will you deal with those who do not take the health guidelines as seriously as they should when they come into your practice for care? And uh, how are you going to maintain your own mental health and assist with those of your staff, your coworker and friends? Um, I think that the first two have been covered pretty heavily. I think that we have a tendency though to forget the last one and it is one of the most critical and often forgotten items to plan for. We have to maintain our own health and to watch out for each other. As an individual, you must do the simple basic things like eating well, getting plenty of rest and exercise, and spending time with those who are closest to you. We need to make a conscious effort to maintain the focus on our families and our children. Um, and, but most importantly, you can't forget about yourself. We need to look inward, be self-aware, seek help when we need to. It would be normal for your feelings to be all jumbled and out of sorts. Seeking help when these things occur to you are not a sign of weakness, but actually a sign of strength. As a leader, whether it's within your organization or with your peers, we need to watch for signs of emotional stress, particularly over the next few weeks and months as we all reintegrate into the new normal. Uh, we need to be able to identify symptoms of struggling, which may include changes in performance and productivity, such as calling in sick frequently, uh, an inability to concentrate or make decisions quickly. We need to be aware of continued emotional reactions, such as irritability and anger, withdrawal from work activities and social activities, and difficulty with changes in the new routines. Uh, Finally, you need to know what to expect of yourself and others. We will all experience a variety of emotions after returning to work, which is normal. We need to be cognizant of talking about your feelings, uh, especially with someone that you trust. Uh, this is a healthy way to process what's going to be this ever-changing new environment. Yeah, I, I like your point about making sure to take care of ourselves, because I know me personally, especially being in the healthcare industry, we're always so focused on making sure everybody else is good. And then just to make sure that we are keeping ourselves healthy because it's going to do a disservice to everybody if you get sick too. Um, so I do like you pointing that out because that's something that I haven't really heard a lot of people talking about. Um, it's all very focused on the patient, but I think we need to take care of ourselves too. Um, so a lot of us are working from home now um, and like you mentioned, um, kind of that work-life balance, um, now that we kind of have this new normal going on, um, do you have any tips for how to kind of navigate this new, you know, working from home, homework balance type of situation um, as we kind of move forward here? Well, working from home is both a blessing and a curse. 
Um, it's wonderful to know that we have an option to stay safe and maintaining an income while others may not have this option. But it's also difficult to switch from work mode and family mode. And this difficulty can be exacerbated depending on what demands that we have on our time. Fortunately, there are some things that we can do to place ourselves into a work mindset and then to end our workday so that we can focus on what's important to us and not get sucked into the time vortex that is work. Um, one is to separate as much as possible our workspace from our living space. A desk, a cleaned off kitchen table, a home office if you're lucky, um, all helps us to minimize distractions and make it easier to end the workday. If you have a tendency to work in your bed, it may make it more difficult for you to relax in the evenings and have a good night's sleep. Or if you work on the couch where you enjoy binge watching your favorite TV show, it may be difficult to concentrate because your mind is focused on an entertainment aspect. You should also get ready for your day like you would when you're going for work. The pajama look is very comfortable and many of y'all rock it, but changing your mindset can be more productive. Putting on work clothes, makeup, styling your hair, all those things can make you feel confident and accomplished and more prepared to take on the day. Um, setting a schedule and trying to stick to it. Use one of the workday schedulers that may be available to you. Like, you know, Zoom has workday schedulers and, and um, workday and office. They all have schedulers that where you can set your calendar. Uh, you can set it up to decline appointments that are requested outside of your set office hours. And you should post your office hours so people, other people are aware of your time and what your constraints are. One thing that I find I forget to do that is helpful when I do remember to do it is to actually take breaks throughout the day. Um, and, and these breaks should be activities like walking around your yard, gardening, playing with a pet, anything that gets you away from your computer and gives you a different activity that allows you to work another part of your body and your mind um, can help break up the monotony and the isolation of working from home. And lastly, uh, make plans for after work to meet you and your family's needs. Uh, make a commitment to yourself that you will do something every day, like schedule dinner at 6.30, or that you will join the 5 p.m. virtual happy hour that's scheduled somewhere, or that you will commit to a 30-minute uninterrupted kids' playtime. If you commit to a personal plan uh, for after hours, it shifts your thought patterns from being work-oriented to something that's personally oriented. Carrie, those are really some great suggestions to, to help us, and I know that that I'm personally struggling with that whole separation from ending a work day and, and going into personal life. Um, in addition to some of the strategies you shared, do you have any tips around how to best work with remote teams right now? Newly working from home is, is different for a team. Um, there's a sense of loneliness from the isolation. There's a lag in communication like what used to be a simple task of just asking somebody next that works beside you a question and getting an immediate answer, you, you can't always get that. So there's um, a lagging in projects moved forward. And the lack of face-to-face -face supervision can often be off-putting for those who are not used to this isolation. 
This can lead to individuals feeling agitated and unsupported by their leadership. Um, but the ways to minimize this is to maintain communication and to provide structure for your team. It's beneficial to establish daily check-ins, um, but be careful to use more than just email and texts. Video conferencing allows others to observe your facial and visual cues, uh, and it limits the feelings of isolation, and having it daily shows that um, you're providing motivation and clear direction to your team. To prevent the communication lag, look at utilizing instant messaging as it allows for quick collaboration, more informal conversations and time-sensitive communication so it's not as difficult to get an answer so that a project can move forward. If your office has been traditionally smaller and, and doesn't currently have these methods as part of your normal workplace, there are subscriptions that are very cost-effective and it it really helps with this process of, of trying to collaborate from a distance. Um, when talking individually with your team members and you're trying to get a sense of their well being, uh, think differently. Instead of asking, How are you? Um, this has a tendency to elicit a, re a general response of fine and it shuts down a conversation. I know every time somebody asks me, How are you? I'm like, Fine, okay, how are you? Um, there are other questions you can ask like, uh, how are you taking care of yourself today? What has been occupying your mind today? What times of the day are the hardest for you? This will all open up individuals and give you an opportunity to receive information you might not otherwise receive. And when they do open up, repeat back what you heard to make sure that your communication is clear because since we don't have those visual cues, we may miss things. And then, of course, answer appropriately. Um, but one of the most things you need to do is just let people know that you're available. Uh, give them the best times to reach you via phone. How to best reach you in matters of emergency. What's your preferred method of communication? Like, do you need to be texted first and then you'll call them back? Um, and whatever those parameters are, just make sure you're available. That's excellent points. I definitely f agree with you on the the thought that doing like a, a Zoom meeting or some kind of video conferencing um, works a lot better than uh, emails. They are definitely more personal. So it's just nice being able to see the people that you know, you're used to seeing every day in the office. Because even as we come back to our offices, you know, we're not, I would assume that most offices aren't going to be full staff you know, everyone's there, you know, we're really trying now to do this whole social distancing um, to try to stay healthy. Um, and as we, as, as we kind of go back into this new normal with the, the physical distancing, um, do you have any ideas on how our listeners can strengthen their social connections remotely? Yes, people are amazingly resilient and we are fortunate to live in a time in which we have multiple ways to help keep us connected and also to give back to the community. If you are the type of person who conducted personal phone calls while on breaks or while commute, commuting, we may have lost that phone contact with our loved ones. So make a conscious effort to make phone calls during the day while cleaning or taking a break from work. There are volunteer programs online 
with nonprofits, uh, I don't think people realize how many opportunities there are out there to volunteer remotely. There's the United Nation volunteers, um, it, which volunteers for multiple different talents and aspects like teaching remotely, um, uh, translating remotely through something called Translators Without Borders if you're bilingual. They need, trialing, uh, they need translators to help throughout the globe. If you're a history net, there's the Smithsonian District, uh, Digital Volunteers in which you um, translate uh, article, uh, historical documents from difficult to read calligraphy into everyday language. There are also crisis lines that are available to help you do good in the world without leaving home. If you're really good in a subject, reach out to friends and family who are having difficulty homeschooling their kids and offer assistance. Visit new public institutions like museums and zoos that you normally wouldn't be able to via their new social video programs. And attend virtual get-togethers. There are gatherings all over social media that are available for us to visit. Many of the common interest groups in our social media platforms are hosting virtual happy hours, dinners, continuing education classes. And if you prefer something smaller, you can always do something like a movie night with a couple of friends. So with the internet and all the social platforms and everything that's going out there, we are much more prepared than we have ever been in the past to still communicate with each other socially. Carrie, those are really some, some great ideas. I mean, as humans, we're definitely social creatures and, and trying to find ways to, to feel that connection is, is really important. And this week, we've started to see that more states are beginning to reopen again. Um, what do you think might be some of the lasting impact of us being more physically distant from others on the optometric field? Um, I believe that the remote will be the new normal. Instead of immediately assuming that things will be done in person, we will be asking ourselves if doing it remotely is not a better option. This will result in all of us being more physically isolated, but more connected through technology. For our industry, I think this will mean a reduction in the regulatory barriers to online tools and an increase in telemedicine. Medicare is now allowing billing for telemedicine and the government is revisiting HIPAA to permit users for Skype, FaceTime, and email for communication. Um, and these may have been released initially as a temporary measure, but on their, upon their release, reversing it is a lot like putting toothpaste back in the tube. Um, it's gonna be more difficult to reverse. And with these changes, telemedicine will become more acceptable. Many patients have found that staying at home for a video call keeps them out of the waiting room and that their care in many cases is just as effective as an in-office visit. Um, I think in some instances, it's going to be difficult to convince people that in-person care is better. And I think we're gonna to have to be able to adapt to these changes. We as an industry are going to have to find a way to meld the remote experience with the in-person experience to meet the needs of all the consumers while maintaining a high quality of care. I think that that's going to be our next avenue for improvement. How are these two things going to be combined? We don't wanna go strictly telemedicine because then there's always those people that 
can't have their needs met that way. And how do we identify those individuals? And also how do we identify those individuals that can get their needs met from a telemedicine visit and, and how are we going to address that? Um, I don't think it's going to be an easy task, but uh, I think it's one that we're going to be ready to meet. I definitely think that we're going to have to kind of figure out this kind of happy medium of the telemedicine and in office. And it's going to take some time because I feel like the industry is, as a whole was really um, rejecting of telemedicine is how it seemed. Um, and, but now we're kind of in the situation where we're kind of forced to at least look into it and see how we can adapt it to make it as effective as possible. Um, I know one of kind of switching gears here just a little bit. I know one of your focuses for throughout your career has been education and helping um, opticians, you know, learn more and teaching others, you know, passing the ABO and do really doing stuff like that. How do you feel like that, that type of thing, as far as ed education and testing, how that's going to change um, with, with the situation that we're in right now? Well, just as businesses will change, so will education interesting. Um, if it's acceptable for primary schools, high schools, colleges, and, and universities to have online educational courses, it will be more difficult for state organizations to require that professionals sit in the seats of an auditorium to meet an in-person education requirement. Uh, I believe that the in-person criteria will more likely be amended to mean in person, not only in an auditorium or in a meeting, but also via remote conferencing. Uh, the same will be true for testing. Many universities, college placement testing organizations, and professional certification bodies are already providing testing processes via computer, uh, via computer through the use of remote proxies to fulfill those needs of individuals that are in isolation. Uh, once the results of those tests come back, and they're being evaluated and vetted, if there's not a large discrepancy between post-COVID and um, pre-COVID, uh, I, I believe that remote testing will be more acceptable. So you, you shared a lot about how you think the field's gonna respond and um, even testing and education is gonna happen. What do you think about expos? Just from your background on the Vision Council, what do you think might some of that look like in the future. So speaking from my own personal opinion, I think the expos will remain a strong part of the industry. We are a social field and we do like to get together. We like to look at the equipment, the frames and exchanging ideas with each other in, in the settings that expos provide. Um, but I also think expos will become more multi-channel, which really will only benefit the industry. Since not everyone is able to get to the expos for various reasons, then having the ability to sit in on a CE class, um, hear a breakout session, or, or see the newest equipment in operation by a remote paid to attend broadcasts, that can only make us stronger. So I, I believe multi-channel is probably going to be the way that they would be most successful to move forward. Well, I love Expo, so I hope it doesn't go anywhere because I always have a lot of fun. And I was very bummed that the uh, Vision Expo East was not canceled, but 
meshed in with Vision Expo West because I was really looking forward to going. So that was kind of a bummer for me personally. Um, so, so was I. <laughs> it's it's nice to hear that some positivity as far as like, you know, someone else is thinking that it's still going to go on because I always look forward to it. I love going because you're right. We are very social. Like everybody likes to kind of riff off of each other and learn from each other. And, you know, everyone wants to talk about their experiences and I don't know. I really enjoy that. So I'm hoping it doesn't go anywhere for sure. So kind of, we're, we're kind of wrapping up um, this episode for today, but do you have any other um, thoughts that you would like to kind of uh, put out there for our listeners? Um, there's always a quote that comes to my mind when, when we talk about change. And um, uh, it was Thule Kupferberg. Um, he said that when patterns are broken, new worlds emerge. Uh, for better or worse, COVID-19 has broken a lot of patterns and a new world is emerging. I think with careful thought, planning, and self-awareness, um, I have faith that the new world that's going to emerge will be better um, than what we had in place in the past. Um, but in the meantime, until that new world becomes established, uh, remember to be kind to yourself and to others and to help one another out. We are all weathering a storm, and, and it's all the same storm, but some of us are bearing the brunt of the wind and the rain more than others. So let's just be cognizant of that and hopeful for the future. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Carrie. You have a unending wealth of knowledge um, that you've kind of bestowed upon us today. So it's always great to chat with somebody in the industry. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. It's been my pleasure. Yeah. Sandra, would you like to add anything before we sign off? Carrie, thank you so much for, for joining us today. I mean, I, I agree with, with Stephanie that you've really given us so much to think about, whether it's taking care of ourselves, um, helping to better take care of our teams and those that we're working with, as well as to really create that future that we want to live in as things start to open up and adapt and change again. And and I think this has been very helpful. So thank you for taking the time to share with us and, and all of our listeners. Thank you. Awesome. Well, that wraps up to this month's episode of the OWA Talks podcast. And until next time, um, look for our next episode at the end, the last Tuesday of June. Oh my gosh, it's almost summer already. That's crazy. So thank you for listening. Stay healthy out there and we will see you guys soon. Thank you.